Hello and welcome back to RocketPod. On today's show, we're joined by Fergus Dyer-Smith. Fergus is a serial entrepreneur, a surfer, and the founder of Wuxi Video Digital Agency. Wuxi helps corporations scale their video production and marketing capabilities. I first met uh, Fergus a few years ago. He's been a mentor to me. Um, I love the way his mind works. Um, he's always getting to the root of the problem and a master marketeer. So yeah, really looking forward to learning what makes Fergus tick and delving a little bit more into his entrepreneurial journey and kind of what drives him as a human. Welcome, Fergus. So how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm at home. So uh, that's always good. Yeah, work from home a fair bit, as everyone does, I guess. That's not saying that now. It's not it's not an unusual event, is it? Saying you're working from home. Uh, but yeah, so I'm good. Yeah, very good. Glad to be here. So um, just to give, um, that's great. Uh, just to give our listeners a flavor for kind of where you came from, maybe go right back to kind of your upbringing. Yeah, so, uh, and also maybe talk about some individuals that have made a kind of an impact on you in your early life um, and kind of bring, you know, bring it forward to, you know, where you are today. And then mm-hmm. we can kind of talk a little bit more about what you're currently doing and um, kind of what, you know, what drives you really as, a, as an entrepreneur and a human. Uh, so where am I from? I'm, I, I, I'm not really from anywhere. I, I moved around a lot when I was younger. Um, my father was everything <laughs> he sort of started off as a sailor uh he was a coast guard farmer psychologist uh, well ended up as a ended up as a psychologist so it, the, um i sort of was born in reading but i lived i've lived all over the uk most well the uk essentially um but then when so when i was about sort of 14 landed in the northeast so i was up up uh, newcastle way I then moved. And then, when I was eighteen, went off to sort of when everyone left home and went went off to university. I went off to Botswana and ran a school there for for a couple of years. Um, wow! Teaching agricultural science. Um, well, it wasn't quite a couple of years. It was sort of it was a year and a bit basically. But yeah, so that 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 was probably the most. I think that had a pretty large impact on, on me as a as an individual. Came back, went to uni was a originally thought I was going to go into sort of genetics and biochemistry that was that was the thing that I sort of went to study in Manchester I can't say that I went with any great drive to be a formidable scientist I think I was more interested in just being in Manchester it was sort of like the 90s so (laughs) if you can imagine it was like late days of the Hacienda and clubs were big deal ecstasy was a big deal there was a lot just a lot of things going on um so i thought i i I just i i I knew that i didn't and i always thought that i wasn't i wasn't on a traditional track i could never imagine myself in a job as such um but i didn't know what i wanted to do i I, I really didn't have any clear idea of where i wanted to go unlike my own kids who seem to be absolutely set and know exactly what they want which i find very distressing but uh, i just i i was just floating around really then what happened now that i think about it was the internet came along and uh that happened well it already happened really when i was at uni but it was very early days of the internet which basically definitely ages me um <laughs> but it it was like you know yahoo and i just got immersed in that in part i think it was just an excuse to be able to do something other than biochemistry when i was at uni i could sit on the in the computer lab and sort of um dick around on the internet um Best distraction it was brilliant i i was absolutely taken with it and so when i left this was just before the dot-com bubble well it was during it was sort of like as the dot-com bubble was growing but it was before it burst when i left uni it was sort of well, what are you going to go and do now and then i now thinking about it then i read a book called it was something like how to be an entrepreneur i didn't actually know what entrepreneur meant but um i picked up this book read it and one of the things it said was you should read other books of other entrepreneurs you know biographies and things like that so i got into that and and i think that sort of captured my imagination Hmm. um so i decided that's what i was going to do like completely the wrong way around it wasn't like i found a problem and thought oh, i'm going to go and solve that problem and it ended up being like no it was the other way around i i'd read this book on <laughs> read these books of other people that had done great things and thought oh that sounds easy not easy it just sounds like fun um anyway so i started a little web 
I'd already done, I'd already started this anyway. There was this sort of like little web development agency in the, in the early days of the web. Uh, and like straight out of the gate, want to deal with BNFL up in uh, Cumbria. Okay. Um, and it was just more money than I'd ever seen in my life. You know, I'd always, I'd <laughs> come from quite a family's not particularly well off. Um, you know, we all lived in a room in my grandmother's house for quite a long time and it was, we never had money. So I've never been particularly money driven because we never had any. Um, but when this deal came along, I thought, holy crap, I'm the, I'm the bee's knees. Um, so that was, that was good. And then I, and then I moved, I, I'd actually moved away from Manchester after leaving the union. I went to, um, came back uh, because my wife, uh, now my wife, um, had got a job down in Manchester. So I, I sort of followed her back. And then, Ended up bumping into a guy who I ended up becoming a business partner with for a number of years in Manchester. And we built a tour operator for students, essentially, taking sending students all over the place. Um, oh. And out of the back of that came a big snowboarding music festival called Snowbombing, um, which is huge today now. Um, can't say I had a huge amount to do with the size that it got to, but I was there, you know, we founded it and started it, grew it for the first few years. And, you know, it, it was it was, it was reasonable by the time I, I sort of decided to um, spin out of that. But that was great. I mean, that was literally baptism by fire. It was, ev- it was okay, we're going to drop you into this situation. You've got no money. Every, f- like, every funny story or mad story that I have of running a company comes from that sort of four-year <laughs> period, which was just... It, when, I th- when I think about that time it was awful at the time it was awful it was hell <laughs> crazy uh, had made loads of mates and like it, we all worked out this coach house and it was you know continually bombarded with debt collectors and oh, really? never had any money to pay anybody but we were running this massive music festival and sending students all over the place i've once actually once there's a story i was talking this is this is sort of dates it so there was this one there was this one time when we decided we, it was the Berlin Love Parade. I think it was the second Berlin Love Parade or something. We decided we were going to send all these students off to, to the Berlin Love Parade. And, uh, you know, it was, I think it was also the same day as the British Grand Prix. There was some, some other big event happening in, in the UK. Anyway, the coach company that we'd hired to sort of take all these students <laughs> over, over there went bust like the day before. <laughs> and what we should have done in retrospect is obviously cancelled the thing reimbursed everyone um but we'd spent all the money <laughs> so we had no money to reimburse anybody with uh which at the time thinking about it, i think at the time wasn't wasn't 100 legit because actually the money should have been sitting in i can't remember how it, there was some sort of trust that it was a bit like we didn't have it wasn't abta but there was a similar thing that we were part of anyway we were just young kids didn't know what we were doing so we decided first thing we had thought was well, we better go and get another coach company. So this is the dating part. So, you know, today you'd get on the internet, you sort of run through, try and find all these coach companies, get in touch with them. Yeah. No, you couldn't do that. I had to run to the local library, get all the yellow pages, go through all the yellow pages, rip out the, the from across the country, because obviously we only had yellow pages for the local area, yeah, rip yeah, out yeah. all the pages that were coach companies around the country, ring all these coach companies, desperately try and find, find, a, find a coach company. But... um. Anyway, in the end, we had to send them on trains. And then it just, the story just gets more calamitous as it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's an absolute uh, disaster from our side. But from the guys that went, uh, I think probably still to this day, they think it's probably one of the most mental trips they ever went on. They loved it in the end. It was like, you know, they just, but it was mental. It was sort of, you know, getting around. How interesting. Yeah. So do you Um, think you're, um, so you mentioned your father doing, being a farmer and a, a teacher yeah. and a um that serendipitous psychologist you said or so he had a quite a serendipitous or um quite a varied career um yes so your um I guess interest or or uh kind of courageous to try different things and did you have an aptitude for the sciences and how things worked or uh, or is it something that you felt that that was a good career move it's, i'm just no, thinking you just trying to tie it together yeah, it's a bit of a mix, really. So the you know, my dad was um, my dad. I mean, he's still alive, but he he was a very intelligent guy. And it's you know when he was young, his father was an admiral in the navy, so he had that sort of 
I guess, hanging over him a little bit. And um, something happened when he was 16, 17. I, 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 I don't actually know the, the, the story correctly, but something happened that meant that he didn't get his, I think it was called 16 plus in those days or whatever, to get to grammar school or whatever it was. And so he ended up having to, he was sort of signed up. You, know, you could sign your kids up to the Navy in those days. And so you were signed up Merchant Navy. Um, and off he went. But he was always super smart and super bright. But he just, so, he, you know, he saw the world in the Merchant Navy. And uh-huh. when he got married, obviously didn't want to be away. So then he had to find something else to do. And so then he was just doing whatever needed to be done to keep, you know, the wolf from the door sort of thing. Um, but he studied all through these times to become a psychologist. So he got his degree through an OU degree, happened to land uh, a, a job at a very prestigious institution. And then slowly, by the time he ended his career, he was, he was, he was well known, well regarded in the field that he was an expert in. But, you know, he was always technical. Like we had a computer very early on. We were one of the first people mm-hmm. to have like a computer I can remember. But I was always technically minded, scientifically minded. Although I'm also quite, my mother's sort of an artist. So I had that element in me as well. Mm. So, um, okay, saw a lot of things, you know, um, but they never really pushed me to do anything. It was like they always left me alone, never pushed me on my homework or anything like that. But that's inter- yeah. yeah, even that's interesting. So you were you had the I guess freedom to figure things out on your own. Um, yes and no. I mean, or I had the time to kind of develop that creativity, perhaps. Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, like I, there was definitely an inherent inside me. There was definitely an inherent sort of desire to make them happy with what i was doing if that's but they never said you must go to university and you must do this that was never said but Mm -hmm. i think i probably went and did sciences because i thought well i know i can do it you're good at it yeah i'm sort of good at it i wouldn't say i loved it it was just i was good at it and i wanted to go to manchester (laughs) that's the the honest truth at the time (laughs) i was really into you know i was in a band and music was the thing that i absolutely loved but it just felt like, yeah, but that's, that's there's no, you know, there's, there's no surety in that. Turns out there's no surety in anything, but I only know that now. Uh, but at the time, it felt a lot more risky. So I sort of went the safety path. But also, you know, I'd gone off, like I said, I went off to Botswana and I spent time there. And so I had to make a decision around university whilst I was out there. And I, I wasn't really thinking about it, to be honest. I just sort of filled in the paperwork, sent it off. It was just... It was like, okay, well, that's the next step. That'll keep me out of a job for three years. So I just, you know, it's not very inspiring. <laughs> so, no, no. <laughs> it's but, it was a bit, bit of a culture shock. I mean, Botswana from... It was from, actually. Um, yeah. it, well, the reverse was worse. Going there was fine. Coming back was worse. It's um, harder. It was harder. Yeah, I, I, I struggled when I came back. I didn't, I wouldn't say I loved university. I didn't mind it, but it felt quite like I was sort of, I don't want to sound patronizing, but it was like, it all felt a, a bit like everyone's going out for the first time, getting, you know, getting drunk and all that sort of stuff. Not that I didn't, I definitely participated, but it felt like that was everyone else's first day away from home. And I'd been away, you know, living in another country for on my own. In those days, I couldn't, I spoke to my, my parents once in a year, you know, and had to communicate through written letters. So it's, it'd been a different, different time for me, but um, yeah, yeah. I, I just sort of floated around. That's what I was sort of saying. I, it was more about optionality. It was like, well, how do I just keep my options open for as long as possible? That was basically now looking at it in retrospect, probably what was going yeah. on. It's just, I just didn't know. So, okay, let's just keep the options open and see what happens. Try different things. And and then, um, yeah. And had the, the wherewithal to actually try things without any guarantee of them working. Yeah. Most things uh, I just it, it, fell into, you know, so yeah. like I ended up at uh, outgoing snowballing because the, the guy that I, I I ended up working with at that time was, you know, I bumped into him. He needed a website doing, I think I got introduced to him from a guy that I worked in a bar when I was at uni and so he needed a website. I was one of the few people that could do websites. So I built his website. And at the time I had this sort of little web agency and with it, which is, there you go. There's another, so with retrospect, I should have stayed on that track because I would have made an absolute mint, but I just didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't get the idea of scalability and, you know markets i was just this kid just bumming around yeah that's really so would you say um so you mentioned your father um were there any other i i know you meant you mentioned you read this this book that was kind of your first introduction to entrepreneurship did someone recommend the book or did you just find it no is there anyone else that would i was always a massive reader i spent a lot of time in libraries because 
as I mentioned, my parents didn't have a lot. We didn't have a TV. So mm-hmm. uh, okay. one of the things that everyone still remembers to this day, which this, I just don't like all my friends remember that I didn't have a television. It's hilarious. Because I completely forgot that I never had a TV, but everyone else remembers <laughs> that I was the guy that didn't have a television. But yeah, so okay. I never had a television. I, it wasn't like I never watched television, but I just didn't. Ha- we didn't have one in my house. Didn't have a car. So you know, I spent a lot of time in libraries because they're free, and so mm-hmm. you know I could use them as a as a base. And so I just would read read stuff, you know, and um, I'd still read a lot today, you know. Um, but this was just something I don't know. I don't know why I picked it up. I just picked it up and started reading. I can't remember what book it was. Don't even think it was any. I don't think it was anything spectacular. It was just. I remember I, I did yeah. read Branson's biography. That's one that sort of stands out as as one of the ones that really captured my imagination because he's quite yeah. a good storyteller. And I guess everyone mm-hmm. now knows his story. But at the time, I was fascinated by his his tales. Of course, it was music related as well. So that, yeah. that caught me. Um, but yeah, I was, I was, yeah, I sort of lived in my imagination quite a lot, I think. Okay. They do say that, I mean, obviously having mentors is, is, is great. Um, but if you don't have access to people, um, then books are the next best thing and you can learn anything. You know, I know the, obviously the internet, since the internet has kind of exploded, there's so much information out there. Um, but it's, uh, it is, it's a really good point. And, and you also made the comment that I thought was interesting that, you know, because you didn't have a lot growing up, you know, you know, monetarily, um, you didn't necessarily measure that. It was more about the trying new things, the creativity piece. You know, you mentioned you've obviously avid reader and you kind of found your way that way. Um, it's just, it's a, it's a real contrast. Well, the, the information world we live in now that it's almost like, how can you even have time to think? Because you're bombarded yeah. so much the whole time. Well, um, I don't. I mean, it's it it is different. I, I don't. I, I don't think it's necessarily negative. I sort of look at it and think it's fantastic. But mm-hmm. you know, um, you're right. You can learn anything from anywhere now, especially now. It's, you know, I think Elon Musk has a quote which is something like, you know, learn information and learning is is free. You go to university to learn how to do your chores. Something something like that. I've just completely annihilated it. But, mm-hmm. but you know, he's basically got a point. It's like if you want to. You can today go and learn absolutely anything you want to learn if, if you've got the wherewithal to do it uh, because the information's there and it's free. So, you know, mm-hmm. most universities, you know, with universities, I often think their model is a bit, but it's not a bit, it, it's, it's messed up now because, you know, you used to have to go to a place where the expertise was yep. to, to capture the information that was most up to date. Most universities now are behind the wave of information. They're having to catch up themselves because everything else is pushing forward so quickly. And so you go to university, you're probably learning information that's outdated by the time you get it. Then you're paying for the privilege to learn that information. Technically, you could get that information for nothing. Most universities give it away for free. What you get is this is the seal of approval at the end. So yep. you sort of might you pay your in this country, what you pay 30, 40 grand to get the certificate basically (laughs) and in other countries it's it's even more to get the certificate i I think there's a business actually and i've thought this for a while is that you know if if you take harvard stanford these big universities which really are just big endowment funds they're just massive money churning machines so they've got huge endowments huge sort of uh, investment funds they have to keep filling those funds so the way they do it is they make their their education exclusive so Mm -hmm. but they actually do put out a lot of their courses for nothing on the internet so anyone can go and do a harvard degree or a stanford degree you just can't get the stanford approval at the end so you do it for free uh but you don't get the stanford approval what someone should do is go and create a sort of pseudo stanford examination board or a pseudo harvard yep. examination board and give it away for a you know it's a thousand bucks you go and learn it we'll test you up to their standards and you get this yep. our certificate which is to the same level and just you know because it's stamp yep. yeah exactly the 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 idea that stanford and harvard are all about educating the world is absolute bollocks because if that was the case they just give anyone could go and do their degree and anyone would get the stamp now they need the exclusivity because otherwise how do they they can't drive the level of value that is perceived so it's a bit of a um, it's known that but anyway yeah it's funny so it just it sparked a memory for me so um i 
joined a it was a a med a kind of a technology firm in the health mm. was it healthcare information technology firm um, in Boston when I, I got married in America and spent the first 13 years of my adult life in the states but um I was the first person they had hired that didn't have an Ivy League education um so mm. a lot of them had Harvard M- MBAs and the MIT you know the, on the tech team and and I was really really excited to join this team of like superior beings <laughs> like as far as the, I could learn from the and actually I was I was really a little bit disappointed because they weren't really any smarter than I was and and I was right. I mean okay they yeah. were in some ways and they had that education and you know they obviously could probably read a spreadsheet much better than I could but um I was really disappointed um <laughs> but but also I, I felt you. good I felt good about myself um <laughs> but I, got, I think um <laughs> I got a friend Sorry. who actually works at the well he he ran he was he was part of a fund I'm not going to say the name of the fund but he was asked uh he he's He's Brit, but he comes from an Asian family. So he's for second generation or something, but he's like really good mate of mine. And he was asked by the head of this fund to explain to all the new recruits that they were bringing in their ex- inclusion policy. And so with a straight, completely straight face, he sort of stood up and said, yeah, well, we've got a very strong inclusion policy here. We'd like to have someone from every house at Cambridge. <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. It's, it's, Brilliant. It's funny, isn't it? It's that glass ceiling. Um, yeah. Well, in fact, no, I... I, I did bump up against the glass ceiling in this particular <laughs> firm. But anyway, um, so yeah. just another thing, just one thread that I wanted to pull out. So, mm-hmm. um, and this is really, um, I guess you can apply it to, to, to young people, but children mm-hmm. especially, but also just listening to your experiences. It's almost like if you have time to be, mm-hmm. um, like if there's, okay, structure is good, but there's not too much structure. It's almost like if you have time to develop, your own ideas and the you know it, it sounds like you had that time and okay you, you spent a lot of time in the library and you you read but it, it seems like you had that there wasn't any pressure on you to to do a certain thing you, you your parents obviously wanted you to follow your heart by the sounds of things and you figured it mm. out but that's that's one thing that I think kids and young people they don't have enough time to play I mean that play time and that fun time um just idle being yeah, bored sometimes bit- is good yeah, I'm always a bit sort of, I always think it's really hard looking, you know, when you look back, when you sort of try and look back, look at generations below you or whatever and say, oh, there's this and that issue and there's this issue and there's that issue, because that's that's happened forever and a day. It's like every generation, mm-hmm. as they go forward, look back at the generation below and sort of have some criticism or some issue with what's going on yep. with it. And I'm never sure that actually that makes A, any difference or B, they're right. It's just... Yeah, because I'm I'm judging the world on my experience of it, and you know there are some similarities with people my age who have gone through similar things who have a similar view. It doesn't make us right. It's just just like my parents had a slightly different view t- to me. So I say my parents didn't force me, but there was a sort of unsaid type of yeah. it wasn't ever overtly said. But when I really think about it, there was definitely a sort of if I'd said to them I was just going to go and you know and know walk the earth or whatever, there may be in a bit of an issue. But you know, so it's I just I find mm. with with young people the only I think one the one thing that you know there's, there's a few things that I wish I'd known, um, but perhaps if I had known them I wouldn't be where I am today. Or perhaps I'd be you know I'm not suggesting that I'm in any way where I want to be necessarily. But I you know it's it's a really hard thing looking back looking down at generations because you just you're just so biased with your own upbringing and your own situations and who flipping knows what 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 they've got to go through but mm-hmm. i'd say that if you can find the things that you value it's about finding what's important to you over and above what other people think is important i think that probably yes. holds true for everybody no, that's so for nice. my, it took me 35 years to work out actually what i was optimizing for and for me it's always it's freedom like i value my freedom over money over goods or things over everything else i've what i've realized retrospectively so this is a bit of a sort of steve's jobs connecting the dots in Mm -hmm. in retrospect is that everything i've done has always been is a what's what's going to give me the most control over my own life Mm -hmm. so i've never had a job really 
in 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 the sense that I've never worked for something. I have actually. It's not one hundred percent true. I have once had a job where I worked for somebody else. I lasted a year. Um, he was a very big successful entrepreneur, and if anything, I, I sort of took it because of that reason. I sort of wanted to see how he'd done it. Um, but I, so I, I've never had that. I've always been. I've always been. So I've always sort of been master of my own destiny. Or I haven't had a job, in which case I've I've been miserable because I've been broke. But at least I've been able to. If I decided I wanted to go off somewhere, I could just go off. I mean, it's just mm. you know. So that's that was my. So if I was younger, I'd be sort of thinking, what is it that? But it's it's such a hard question to ask, isn't it? It's like it's one of those things that comes to you as you get perhaps older. Because when you're younger, you don't. You just you're just so bombarded with information, and I suspect you know one thing certainly for sure is that attention economy as they like to call it has become you know you when i was younger there was plenty of time to sit around and think or sit in libraries or you know have your brain go off on one there's not much opportunity to do that today you, you can't even stand in a queue without being entertained so it's it's like you know you're literally from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep something has your attention so unless you force gaps in that then yeah, yeah. There's less gaps for things to go on but yeah maybe that's where the, the discipline comes in but it's also awareness isn't it where you're spending your time yeah but they do say that um kids today are, they got a higher iq than our generation because of all the information i mean there are there's, there's probably more benefits than cons it's just as you get older i think you probably realize that maybe you need to not do so much social media or whatever whatever it is whatever your thing yeah. is it's just yeah, having, so. but, I mean, but we can't yeah. always control that, can we? I mean, God no. I mean, we think we think we, we think I'm a flipping disaster. It's like yeah. I turn that thing on, and it's like you go. I've just five minutes, and it's like it's. I've I've worked out with TikTok, but I'm sure their algorithm works in thirty minutes, thirty minute chunks. Because every time I turn it on, it's th- it doesn't matter how. It's thirty minutes before I go. Oh shit! I should probably get off this. And if if I go again, that's another thirty minutes. So it's like I just have to. I completely have to resist that that thing so you know <laughs> so so um i understand so you like to surf is that so i think you mentioned oh, that right. yeah, in the so past so what, what do you do for fun so yeah, you, you so talk about this um, life like, balance yeah surfing is yeah. i mean surfing is a huge part of my life i i because with, with this when i ran basically what happened was when i was running snowboarding snowboarding and we were running this tour operator obviously it was around a, the snowboarding industry so we we really came to be when snowboarding was a big deal um essentially snowboarding the original idea was you know if you went skiing or went on a snowboarding holiday um the after ski was the après ski was always you know abba and that sort of stuff and we worked in our offices we had all these sorts of big club nights that sort of were around us and we were in that world in manchester so we, we knew all the people that ran like cream and um all these big club nights bugged out um gate crasher these sorts of places that you you might know um you listeners might not uh but anyway so we took them all to the to the to the alps basically and said right and they would put on nights uh and during so it was beats it was boards by day beats by night that was the idea so i was okay, around all these cool. snowboarders like and all the rest of it and as a consequence you know surfing was you know, the brands that are in snowboarding are also typically in surfing. So we get all the time in the office, like um, clothing and magazines and you'd be, you know, there'd be the snowboarding stuff. And then on the other page would be, you know, someone on a beach with, you know, a pair of board shorts and a board. And I always thought that just looked miles better than standing on a mountain. So when I left, I sort of thought I'm, I'm going to, I must have been late 20s thought I really want to have a go and so I did just went I think I started surfing at Scar in Scarborough uh, which is probably not the best place to start surfing because it was pretty awful but I didn't know you could surf in Scarborough yeah you can there's quite a Bay and South Bay North Bay like the three beaches Hmm. there actually South Bay gets all right it's it's not bad bloody cold but you know Uh, and so I I had come across it a little bit when I was in South Africa as well and so I just just so I just started and then I was hooked at that point, then thought, how can I engineer it so I can surf every day? Didn't want to surf in Scarborough every day. So um, me and my wife moved to Portugal okay. uh, and bought a house on the west coast of Portugal. We lived there for seven-ish years, seven or eight years. Really? Um, yeah. So just had, we had a, had one boy who was, um, he was two, three, and then we just had a, 
we just had another son so he was four months and we just packed everything up in a camper van and drove over there and originally thinking we'd be there for about a year and ended up being there for about eight years um but as a consequence then i was surfing every day i was like you know up at six surf for three hours sometimes three times a day it was just it really was, ways were good i would just i would go every day almost all day much to my wife's despair in the in the early days you know with young <laughs> children it was it was a it was a great few few issues but um yeah i love it i mean it's but you love and, it. I st- and i still you know I, I, over the years i got slight i didn't quite surf as much because what happens with surfing is i with everyone i think is you get completely addicted you you every, all you think about every waking hour is surfing 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 and um that for about five years and then it starts to calm down you start to get a little bit more like oh, maybe not today it's not quite you know the waves aren't quite there and you get a little bit more um soft <laughs> but I still you know so i still have my house in portugal still go there you know every six weeks or so you know still go surfing so why why portugal do you, do you have any uh, best way from or? europe it was warm okay. and hot okay. you know the weather was good you know uh, it's beautiful in winter. Yeah. Uh, we'd gone on holiday there and just found a plot. I mean, we literally went on holiday, uh, found this place that we liked. We're walking around, saw this plot, uh, put a deposit down on it a week later, got the builders in right. four weeks later. It was just right. like that. It was, it was thinking about it now. I'm just not sure I'd have the you know bravery to do it now, but yeah, it was just like, and then just ended up there. As far as the, the actual, the activity of surfing, do you see like do you draw connections with entrepreneurship? Can you talk about the yeah. I mean you have that time on the water to yeah. think um you're catching waves, you either catch a good one or <laughs> can, can you talk a bit about that? Quite, like it's not it's is there any philosophy any philosophical um thoughts around that and, and your entrepreneurship journey? Yeah, lots. Uh, you know might be interesting. Surfing is well, first of all, in terms of as an activity, obviously it's physical, so that's that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, if you, so I, I it, it's slightly different to some activities. So you know, if you if you have a creative problem that you want to work on, often you know you need to get into a state where your subconscious can sort of come out. And so, yeah, the sort of activities that are good for that for me are I don't know, going for a run, going out on the bike, uh, sometimes going for a walk. But it's got to be something where you need enough sort of conscious activity to that you can you, you can't be doing anything else so you have to you know if you're on a bicycle you sort of you know unless i guess you listen to something but i would never do that so you're on your bike you're cycling you need somewhere with all to sort of control it but you don't have to focus on it because it just sort of comes naturally and what happens is after about half an hour the problem starts to falter around and think ideas just start coming to you and at some point there's a strong likelihood that you'll go oh hang on a sec that that might work you know and, and so that's that's that surfing's not like that Surfing's a lot more like you, everything leaves your brain. So, because all you're focused on is either the wave you're on or the wave that's about to pound you on the head and you, you haven't got time or space to think about anything else. So I used, it was great because I actually started my current company whilst I was there. It was, you know, all the stresses again came back, but I could go surfing and I used to, I used to sort of describe it. It was like a, the first wave that went over your head was like a big sort of wash and it would just wash away all the, crap from the day and then you just you couldn't think about it because if you thought about anything else you were going to get you know you're going to get nailed so it that that's one element of it i i I also love the sort of thought of every wave that comes whilst they're all they all have similarities they're all completely different and they'll never exist again so they've traveled Mm -hmm. across this entire ocean so you know when a wave hits a beach it's come from the middle of the atlantic if you're in the atlantic i'm saying uh, traveled, you know, hundreds of miles through the water, built up, built up, built up. It hits the hits the beach, uh, or hits the break, or hits the reef, or the or the point, or whatever. Uh, you manage to catch a little bit of that energy, and it's gone. Ne- and it will never come back again. And it's sort mm. of, you know, I love that sort of. I guess there's something in there. I don't know what's in there, but I just that idea I've always thought is um, it's quite magical, really. That's really interesting. Okay, so. Um... So you said you started your current company. So um, for those listeners out there, Fergus is the founder of Wuxi. That's going to be on the introduction anyway. But um, so tell us a bit about Wuxi, your your journey with Wuxi. I know we're kind of getting fairly close to the end. Um, but can you, um, yeah, talk a little bit about Wuxi and and uh, what your, I guess, vision for the business is 
Um, yeah, and so a little bit of a, maybe, and also one thing we haven't really delved into is, is your process. Yeah. So like, um, even, you know, how you how you run your day. Um, because I think that is, it's relevant to, yeah, w- where you are right now. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that'd be great to. And yeah. So Wishy is a started life as a, um, as I've sort of mentioned earlier, I was, you know, internet's the thing that has captured my imagination through most of my adult life. So I was always looking for, I was built, always building things online. And this was something that um, started off with an observation, which was just uh, very early days of YouTube. Um, this idea that um, actually at that point in time, cameras, software had come so low that it actually opened up filmmaking for anyone in the world. Prior to, prior to that, what most people don't forget is that actually it was bloody expensive to have a decent camera. Digital wasn't really a thing. So you had to do it with through film and software, you know, editing equipment was bloody expensive. So you had yeah. to have a fair whack of cash to run a film company. All of a sudden it became uh, democratized. Lots of people could do it. And so my view was, well, hang on a sec. There's all these people around the world that are creative, that can create brilliant stuff. There's this platform now through which people can deliver the stuff. What if I match companies to people that want to make this, this content? And so the original idea was it was a marketplace, sort of two-sided marketplace. Imagine, I guess, a sort of eBay, but for video makers and that's you know mm. built a big built built an online site uh big community of video makers and animators and motion graphics people and every, anyone who sort of works in film and then on the other side we had companies that needed those services and we were like a market maker we we, we sat in the middle and connected the two and uh took a fee over the years it's it's shifted its model somewhat so we've now we mostly work with very big enterprises. So our customers are people like Amazon and um, Twitch. And uh, I mean, it just goes on and on. It's hundreds of large, large corporates, uh, global corporates. Uh, and we produce everything from training videos to commercial videos to ads to, um, you know, uh, stings that you see on TV to the CEO doing his, his announcement. So we make thousands of videos a year. Uh, and sort of split across three three countries. We've got an office in London, LA, and an office in Newcastle. Yeah, and, and you know, so that's that that's what the business is. That's what it became. It's a it's a venture backed company. So you know, I've raised uh, multiple rounds of um, uh, money from VCs. So I've been through that whole world. I understand that pretty well. Um, and in, yeah, in terms of my process, what was my day look like? I mean, I'm. I have an amazing team. So, you know, the people that, you know, when you get to the, the company to a certain size, and we're not large, by any stretch of imagination, we're a reasonable size, but we're not large. But you still, you know, you start finding people that are just brilliant at what, what they do and much better than you. So, um, you know, I've got a guy who I brought in um, as sort of chief operating officer. He, he really sort of runs and drives the mechanics of the business. Mm. Great deal maker. Um, he's been through it as well himself. He's run venture companies, had exits. Like so, he he knows the space. He knows it. He's good integrator. A, yeah, he's a solid operator. Um, sort of drags me back to reality. I'd have a tendency to fly off on the next new shiny thing. And yeah, so the, so the team, and then you know we've got people that run the sales team. People that run the. I've got a, a girl, a, a girl woman uh, who has been with me for ten years. She runs our entire production. Entity, she's flipping amazing. So my day really is, I spend most of my day talking to investors, or right. working with investors, or working with those team leads, just to sort of help them if I can, and just trying to think, okay, what's the next next move for us? So that's that's mostly what my day involves. Um, it's changed over the years. It sounds really dull, but it, it can be a bit dull. If someone once said to me, you know, the job of a CEO is to you know hire great. What high set the vision, hire great people, and make sure the company doesn't run out of money, and the rest of it will just sort of sort itself out. And it's probably not far from the truth. It's interesting. So, um, so I guess the thing is getting good. I guess you have a good team around you, and you're an interesting person, um, and you're obviously very capable. So, the ability to actually attract those people, um, yeah, in the first place is is, is a real skill. And you certainly, um, in the early days, kind of got into you, you know the entrepreneurship, had some success successes, um, and then you you kind of um, your marketing abilities and ability to see the gap in the market. Mm. You're obviously able to add. You're obviously able to add a lot of value to those businesses that 
that you've served and uh, I know you've moved up the food chain up to kind of more blue chip corporates. Mm. Um, but can you talk a bit about your approach to marketing? Because I think that's mm. something, because I've, I've always really loved when, whenever I've spoken to you, you're, you, you, you seem to be really good at simplifying things to what's really important and just kind of focusing on that. And that's mm. a real skill, but also you're obviously very in tune with the world and, and maybe it's, you got introduced to the internet in the, in the early days and you kind of, mm watched it grow and and i think um just listening to you talk you know the, the scientific brain it's almost like um finding the truth and it's almost like i there's something there but can you talk about the yeah your approach to marketing maybe and how yeah. that ties into wuxi and i guess what you're um, delivering to clients is that how is that possible yeah so i mean mark well there's a, there's a few things wrapped up in that question but i think marketing takes on different roles <laughs> at different different types of companies so you know if you're a enterprise business um you know some scale then there's your you know it's a a lot of it a lot of a lot of how successful you are comes down to how well your brand is perceived or how well brand you know the 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 overall perception that people have of your business as a as a whole if you like so yeah you can iterate around the edges with how your ads work and all the rest of it but ultimately you're of a scale where brand becomes very important very important so when people say you know when people say to you okay well um vacuum cleaner so many people will stay hoover like th there's there's these sort of elements of of can you can you drive your business into the psyche of people and that's where it, it's it's different because that that works in a, in a different place you're, you're working much more broadly and you're trying to uh, build awareness over a much larger this is, by the way I'm sweeping generalizations here um yeah, sure. if you're a smaller business you have to you have to be a lot more um nuts and bolts about it so you're, you're trying to understand how can i drive in a customer for a set price um so that i can then convert that customer at another price and hopefully the difference is a positive one and ultimately is going to land in profit and so you you have to get a bit more smart about how you're going to do that and on that front i'm just a ferocious i love it so i'm a ferocious consumer of of that sort of content you know, even though I don't really run marketing, in fact, I don't run marketing, I, I still will, will just consume, you know, reams and reams, reams and reams, uh, pages and pages, let's say, of that type of content. I'm fascinated by hacky type stuff. I love growth hacks, even though we don't really do this. I, I'm, I love those sorts of things. So I'm on all the forums. I, there's certain people that I follow. Uh, I love clever businesses where they've found some sort of arbitrage. Like all these things make, make you know, to me, whilst they don't necessarily then end up in action, they inform my view on what and how we're doing things. Um, so I think that that would be one thing is just be, you know, just a voracious sort of consumer of, of that type of content because it interests me. You know, I, it's just I find it interesting. On the, so when on you, the okay, so when you can, sorry, I'm just saying when you consume content, sorry to interrupt, mm. um, you're intentional about it because we all we can mindlessly consume content consume mm. content and it doesn't actually lead necessarily lead to anywhere unless it's subconscious but am i am i understanding that when you do consume the content for a for, is it intentional i mean as, as far as actually helping move the needle um or you just uh, just a general consumer you do you mean that you consume it for a reason or do you just, just uh, love yes it yes no i mean, I, I, I mean I, 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 I I consume. You see the distinction. Yes, I mean I can. Um, it's the, the the people that or the the people that I tend to listen to or follow will often output the types of thing that I think think are interesting. You know, I just don't okay. I don't just you know read say you know certain pieces of information, but I I will. That doesn't make any sense. I, I guess there's a number of people that I will list. I'll listen to their podcasts or read their posts or you know, follow their Twitter feeds. And that, because I know that they're going to output at various points, interesting nuggets. And I'm sort of always just looking for those. Um, and I think that's, that's, it's more about who I'm following rather than what I'm looking for. Cause I'm not like, like sort of out okay, there fair enough. For it. it just sort of comes along. Okay. Um, okay. So you're, you're reacting to content that you've made it obviously a choice to follow. Correct. Do you, yeah. do you, um, do you, do you manage that? Do you prune it? Do you ever kind of, um, do you just time. keep adding, 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 or do you do you oh, no, cut, I, I cut away add, the add, stuff add. that's not relevant anymore? Yeah, I add and add and add, and then I'll never listen to it and cut it and cut it. I always end up listening to the same things, which is terrible. Like that's 
so I read, I still read a lot of books. So that sort of keeps me broad. Okay. But I, if, you know, if I go into the car, I'll have, you know, there's the same podcasts. Uh, and I'm always disappointed if there's not one there to listen to because then I have to listen to one of the others. Um, or there'll be a book, an audio book that I'll have on. But, you know, it, my podcast list is pretty short and small. And in fact, if you looked at it, you'll, you'd see, since sort of looking at it now, it would be like I've got te- maybe 10 on there. And I know that actually seven of those I never listen to. <laughs> so it's like, What's your favorite? What's your. <laughs> what's your favorite podcast can you share that at the moment i really like um the the my first million guys what's his name uh sean Puri and um uh, sam i can't remember his second name those two guys i think are great uh okay because it's all ideas and they're both very smart they break down business really well i really like the all-in podcast but i guess lots of people do that now i used to listen you know Jason Kalkanis, I sort of grew up with. <laughs> I sort of feel like I grew up with Jason Kalkanis. Um, so yeah, they're, they're my sort of go-tos. Peter Diamandis is the one that I'm sort of really liking at the moment. He's he sort of founded X Prize. Um, he's got yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you? Um, I've listened to the uh, World of Greatness. Is it? Oh yes. Like, no, I used to, I've listened to a uh, few of his. Something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, someone howls. Is it? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah I've listened to a few yeah. of his. American yeah. one. and the uh, Tim Ferriss one. I. Tim Ferriss, I sort of, I, I used to like, listen to every single one of his, but now I sort of dip into him. It's like I just sort of see who's he yeah. interviewing. I'm not. I haven't always, done it for years. Yeah. <laughs> so every so often I'll go back. He did a great one recently with Bill Gurley, which was great. But um, yeah, I'm sort okay. of off and on with Tim Ferriss. But that's because he's interviewed everyone. So it's sort of you're at a point now where he's yeah. sort of well, who's left? You know, been there, done that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I liked his one with Jim Collins. Right, uh, and there was, and then the, yeah, so you, so basically, you're, yeah, you consume content that's useful, um, and um, it sounds like no dead time if you're driving, you're, you know, you're, you're always learning, which is interesting. Yeah, I so you driving, fi- I find. Fi- is, sorry, say that again. No, I was going to say fiction or non-fiction books uh, or a fiction. Mix. I used to, so actually, I used to have a rule, which was that on the way to work, it was fiction. On the way home from work, it was. Um, sorry it was not on the way to work it was non-fiction on the way home it was it was fiction i like um, it and i the rule was it had to be a classic so i there was one point in time where i listened to things like um you know i did like gulliver's travels um i did just a, a lotus like dracula all these sort of like classic novels so i just thought there's so many books that everyone knows but probably has never read so i you know i went through um all these sort of classic books, loads of them. Count of Monte Cristo, that was one of the absolute crackers. I was like, that's such an amazing, <laughs> bloody long, but really? uh, you know, it was it was great. I sort of realised why these books were, were so well revered. But you sort of know the stories, but you actually don't until you've, you've read them. So I did that for a period, but now I don't drive as much. So um, yeah, not, I don't, not not so much fiction to be honest. Great. No, it's interesting. Um, so so um, if you could give give some advice um, for our listeners just based on your experience in life uh, or as an entrepreneur, uh, what would that be? Some parting wisdom. I don't know if I have much parting wisdom, but I th- maybe, maybe it would be exactly that, which is um, I would take every advice you get with a massive pinch of salt. Uh, you know, it's all right to collect this information, but so much advice given is, is just full of bias. And, you know, I hear, you know, when you, when you run a company, which has got, quite a lot of investors as I, as I do, you get advice left, right and center from everyone. And you basically just have to sort of ignore most of it. it it's just so dependent on what their experience was, how they did things. I, I think, yeah, advice is, um, is a difficult, is a difficult overrated. one. Oh, yeah, overrated. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm just being, <laughs> no, you need it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, do you, so follow your gut basically. So you, you take the advice, yeah. but, um, but you've got you've to got follow to your own mind up, you know, it's, instinct. It's sort of, yeah. Because you have to live with you. They just, they can, they can nick off and do whatever they're going to do next, but you've got to live with your decisions. So yeah, that mm-hmm. not particularly wise. Yeah, that's really that good advice. Take. No, it's good advice. Um, another question that we, I, I asked folks is um, if you were to have a, if there was someone that you could meet for a coffee, mm-hmm. uh, who would that be? And you never know. We, you know, if I, <laughs> Uh, dead or alive um, <laughs> well let's let's go for alive as alive. Uh, you know um alive we can do both if you like if you if you know if you know who you'd want to meet if they're dead then let's do both 
if they were if well if they're alive then um bill gates i think would just mm-hmm. be fascinating um mm-hmm. who else peter diamandis I, I wouldn't mind meeting him uh, he's sort of right in my sphere of interest so those those okay. those two i think if, if, um dead someone like I don't know, Da Vinci or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> that sort of way you think. It's almost <laughs> just like outstanding. I guess, you know. Um, yeah, that, that would be mine. So we could set that up. That'd be great. <laughs> That's brilliant. Um, so how do folks um, how do folks contact you or reach you? Um, um, LinkedIn is probably my sort of area. I sort of, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty active on LinkedIn. That's, that's, that's where to find me. Okay, perfect. And... Um, is there anything that you're looking for that um, RocketPod can help with? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, well, I mean, you know, if there's anyone out there who's who's interested in the video space, then that's that's where we're at. So, you know, I'm always always looking for for good people um, as as well as customers. <laughs> so, you know, either yeah. of those things are, are yeah. useful to us. But yeah, if, if there's people listening that are interested in the video space, then certainly reach out. Perfect. Excellent. Good. Um, well, thanks, Fergus, for your time. It's been fascinating learning about your experiences and kind of how you kind of run your life and business. Uh, I know we kind of just scratched the surface today, but it's been really nice to have you on. So thank you for your your time and graciousness this yeah, morning. No and uh, yeah. maybe we catch up with you in um, in a few years and see, see where things are at. Yes, yes, maybe. It's <laughs> <laughs> great. Perfect. All right, James. Thank you for listening to today's episode of RocketPod. When you get a moment, we'd love it if you could jump over to Apple Podcasts and Spotify and leave a quick review. Follow us on social. We love all your messages. It helps us get exposure to inspire and share more stories like this one with you, our listeners. And of course, big thanks to Fergus for his time and graciousness today. We learned some pretty cool things, I think. Read, consume content intentionally so you can control what uh, what you consume. And obviously take advice with a pinch of salt kind of follow your instincts and try new things you know it uh went from the crazy entrepreneurial experiences in Fergus's early life um to building more of a robust scalable technology business um that he runs today so we're all on the journey and it's interesting to hear Fergus's story and 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 perhaps we can take some key takeaways and uh and find some things that we can do for fun and to de-stress ourselves and obviously keep fit and active anyway take care um thanks for listening and we'll see you next time bye bye